Welcome to the With Grace podcast. I am Grace and thanks for joining this journey towards a more positive and fulfilled life with me. Recently, I have been developing a passion for all things mindset, psychology and spirituality and I hope that I can share this knowledge with you through this podcast. This is a place for meaningful conversations where I will bring along guests that I think will help us unravel the tools and the tips for succeeding in the pursuit of happiness. I hope you enjoy. Today on the podcast, I have my first ever guest, Ashlyn Gallagher, or at Galsgoss on Instagram. You can head over to Ashlyn's Instagram to find all of fashion and beauty and lifestyle content and a bit more about her story that she's going to speak to us today about. Ashlyn comes on to the podcast to tell us about her recent experience in being diagnosed with rectal cancer at 28, something that none of us could even imagine. Ashlyn's positive outlook is really, truly inspiring. And I just hope that someone listening to this can gain some sort of gratitude or insight or compassion through listening to her story. So Ashley, thank you so much again for agreeing to come on to the With Grace podcast and for being my first ever guest. I'm so excited to have you here. Excited to be here. Oh, amazing. Um, so first of all, I just want you to introduce yourself. Just tell us who Gals Goss is. Mm-hmm. So I've started Gals Goss. It's actually gone up to six years at the end of this month, believe it or not. Um, I started it like on a complete whim, <laughs> like when I was still worked in Tesco like six years ago and just wanted to do something a little bit more fashion. So I started um the actual blog website, which right. has kind of become a thing of the past, I think, at the minute. Um, but I still love reading them as well. So I do still try to write on that. But from that, I started my Instagram as well and just started putting up outfit photos. And that just became more of an everyday um, occurrence of updating that. And then along with that, then I started working in Topshop. So it became a lot more fashion based. And it's just kind of went from there. I've been very lucky to be able to go to events and get loads of opportunities. Um, and then, of course, with work wise, too, I was able to move to London last year. Um, well no two years ago now I keep forgetting we're in 2021 so um, <laughs> everything's kind of went really hand in hand with my career and gals goss as the Instagram blog sort of life and now it's just become more of a lifestyle platform I guess it's still try to keep it mostly fashion but um, I've just become a lot more open and honest I think with everything that's going on in my life and obviously with corona and everything it's just it's became somewhere to kind of vent too I guess yeah no of course I think I am um, a part of that got cut off a wee bit but just the basics of what you were saying was you started your blog and everything and that's how we met um the first few times through like the NI bloggers brunch and through Belfast fashion weeks and things like that so I think we actually have a lot in common that's why I wanted you to get on and um come on and tell me your story and then you mentioned London there as well and we lived actually quite closely together oh, in London. see each other yeah we were supposed to at one point and then it fell through with the rest of 2020 of course anyway <laughs> so but yes. um how are you feeling like the transition from living in London to coming home as I know I find it quite hard myself it is so hard I know we were just saying there about living at home it's the living at home again isn't that so bad but I'm really struggling yeah. with like not having my independence like it's of course you want to do whatever you want kind of thing and like 
I mean, coming home, I mean, I don't have a big family, there's only three of us in my house, but it is, it just, you kind of just fall back into that, like, like, listen to, you know, your mum telling you to do things yeah. and stuff, you're like, like oh, child oh, role almost. literally, but, um, yeah. and obviously coming back home to being in a lockdown is completely different, I think if I was coming home and life was somewhat normal and you were able to go and do what you were doing anyway, it wouldn't be probably as bad, but I think just being at home all the time is, it's, it's hard to get your head around and obviously just missing London and that fast pace of life but I think one thing I don't know about you I've taken from not being in London is that I'm not missing anything you know because it's not the London that I love with it seems to be a lot more of a slower pace as well over there at the minute so I think that's one thing that I'm kind of like dealing with is okay I'm not missing out I don't have like FOMO I think that's definitely the way I'm trying to you know tell myself to like I look back and I'd be so sad when I look back at all my memories because I know you mentioned there about the independence and I think that was the biggest thing for me probably just gaining like full and total independence of everything you know living away and especially in London because like you just have to be that way it's just the way of the life over there but I think that's something I've been telling myself as well like even if I went over now London wouldn't be you know it the wouldn't same be London exactly I think that and I still have friends obviously over there and they're very much saying that you know it's not it's not the same so don't feel too bad like you're not missing anything exactly we can take some comfort in that and and as well I know you did the personal stylist job with Topshop over there and obviously you know there's been the news of Topshop going into administration or so what way does that stand with you now you know are you going back to a job eventually I mean, fingers crossed. I honestly don't actually have any more inside scoops. So we have just been told, um, obviously, the company is in administration, which I think is just, even besides me working there, I think it's just so sad. Like, I think it's just one of the most iconic high street stores. Um, and it's very sad that, like, they're not even going to survive this. I don't know. You know, it's... Of course. It's just, it's hard to think what it's going to be like when we go back to normal like if there's going to be no high street obviously I love shopping and that again is my job as well so I feel like I have a really special the high street has a very special place in my heart but um yeah as I said it's in administration we have just been told that there is people interested in buying it but nothing has been um confirmed or there's no deals or anything as of yet so I've been very lucky that I'm still on furlough so I'm still getting a furlough and um, wage and things so regardless obviously of me not going back from being sick and stuff like that I wouldn't have been going back anyway do you know what I mean so I'm I'm lucky that yeah, way that I'm not out and um, I haven't had to go in the sick or anything like that so for, at the minute all we know is that there is people interested in it hopefully someone will buy it and hopefully I will have a job to go back to when um when life returns to normal I know, fingers crossed, because it would just be such a shame for the high street, you know, to lose Topshop, because I think, like, all of us have grown up with Topshop, like, I know that you're working there, but, like, it just brings back such an era, like, I can remember going to one of my first club lands in Cookstown, and taking out, like, the last, maybe, £50 that I had in one of my savings accounts that my grand had started for me when I was a child, and thinking I was class going into Topshop and buying a full-blown outfit, and like just blowing all my money on this outfit and top shop and like I just it takes me back to those years and then you know through uni and stuff like the only jeans you would wear was the Germany jeans and 
so I just think it would be such a shame to lose Topshop like I even got a job there like I loved it like as you say I grew up with it and then like a plan for a job I was like oh my god this is so exciting and I literally was I've been so lucky to just move up quite quickly with with them um so I do like I love my job it's like literally my dream job um so it is like I miss it so much and it is so sad to think if it maybe wouldn't be there um after all this because it's one of the very little like high street brands that do personal shopping as well so I think that's something else that it kind of you know stands stands away from everywhere else so fingers crossed we don't know what's gonna happen but fingers crossed that it will be it'll be okay and it'll stand no I have my fingers there I have my fingers crossed for you as well because I think anybody that knows you Ashley and follows you knows that you're just so suited to the personal stylist job like that's probably where most of your following comes from following your fashion and you know you just have such a unique sense of style and I absolutely love it and I think that's you know Mm. you're just in the right job so I just have my fingers on toes crossed for you that it all gets back to normal and that you get back into doing what you love a Um, horrible hoodie that's what I'm sitting in right now (laughs) I am but you mentioned briefly there that you know about even if it was to go back to normal you would be off anyway because you're sick and obviously that's what you know the primarily the reason that I wanted you to come on today and tell everyone your story that you've been so open about on Instagram I just don't think that you actually realize the profound impact that you're having on other people through sharing your story and this is something that I want to pass on today to anybody that's listening so do you want to take us through the story from the very start um pre-cancer diagnosis like when did you begin experiencing symptoms and what were they for example yeah, of course. Um, so I'm gonna say last year again, and that's wrong because I think what is last year. I see me trying to get my years and months. I don't know what day is bloody wet at the minute. Um, it was January, I would say. So more or less a year ago, probably, I started experiencing um just changes in myself more like when I needed to go to the toilet um when I went to the toilet like things like that it just started off it started off very slight and um I didn't really like pay much attention to it at the start I kept like blaming it on loads of other things I thought it was maybe like food related or just because again I was in London maybe my diet had changed I was drinking more you know I was eating and doing whatever more so kind of just ignored it for a little while but um when I say my like bowel habit to change it means like I was just kind of needing to go to the toilet like all the time which wouldn't be me like I was pretty regular and normal if you will normal in quotation marks you know like everything was always fine um so that started at the beginning then after about a month or so I started to pass blood when I was going to the toilet so obviously when I when I seen that I was like oh god that's definitely definitely not right um and obviously the first thing that you do is google it which you shouldn't do um but obviously that's what I done and read a lot into it and most things were coming up that it could have been like Crohn's disease or colitis which are both kind of similar things um so this went on for a while anyway and then I was like no I need I need to go and get this seen too because it's not like me not to not feel right and you know the the fact that the blood was there it was getting worse uh, you know I knew it was complete warning sign um but as I was in London I had yeah. no doctors I just I didn't move at my doctor's surgery over there because I really never went I honestly have never been sick in my whole entire life um I literally went to the doctor to get my 
um, pill and that was like it. It was like the only reason I ever needed to go. So I just didn't change. So I was due to come home in March, like literally the week before life went into meltdown. I was booked to come home on the 8th or the 9th of March, I think it was. And I had rang the doctor ahead of that, booked an appointment, um, requested a lady doctor as well. Because obviously me doing my Googling and my research, I was like, oh, God, they're going to want to do an examination <laughs> for me here. So I was like, I no, need a lady doctor to do me because it's going to be not, oh, it's not going to be enjoyable. So the first day I came home, then I went to the doctor, explained all my symptoms, obviously spoke through it all. And lo and behold, had to get an examination done. And she was like, I can't feel anything. I can't see anything. You know, there's there's no blood coming off her finger or anything like that when she done the um, examination. So she says, you know, obviously it's something further up. So you're going to have to go for a colonoscopy. So there and then I knew that's what I needed to get done. And then they also called for blood and a stool sample. And then that was fine. I got the thing to do the stool sample and the bloods. They were like, oh, we can't get you in until next week. But obviously I was in my head I was going back to London at the end of that week so I was like no I need them done now you know lo and behold obviously long story short I didn't get back to London so that obviously worked out fine because I was able to get it all done and whatever but um all that happened then got my bloods in got my stool sample done and then like lockdown hit so everything obviously went into complete like closed like nobody was going anywhere to get anything Mm -hmm. done obviously I had been referred on to um the hospital at this stage but they weren't doing that kind of procedure because it wasn't deemed essential I suppose at the time Which is so that was in March cool, isn't it? Like... yeah it's it's crazy but um when I got my first blood results back they they just all I remember is them telling me that they were high now they didn't tell me what they were high in or what that meant so I didn't know what that meant but my doctor was like it your symptoms and everything it does look like like it's Crohn's and I was like right okay but you still have to get this colonoscopy done they won't diagnose you just with Crohn's from your bloods or your stool samples do you know what I mean you have to get that colonoscopy done to see what's going on kind of vibe so this went on for months I got worse and worse and I had a couple of phone calls like phone call consultations just but same thing like just explaining what was happening and um what my symptoms were and at this stage I was getting worse in that I then was like sore so my stomach was sore I was like really swollen and I wasn't eating then so it was when I started like not being able to eat as much when it was really red flag for me I was like no something's really not right here did you think that it was Crohn's you know did you think yourself that it was Crohn's or did you have like a deep down gut feeling that it was something more or that it wasn't right you know yeah I did at the start but I think I just knew the more it went on the more I was just like I'm not right and I think this is something else so that's when I began to become really pushy like and that's not like me at all like I would just usually let these things go or whatever but I think deep down inside I was like no I'm not right like I need to this needs to get sorted so fast forward I had to do like another two blood samples another two stool samples before I actually got my colonoscopy done and this then was August so I had went I went to the hospital then for the two blood samples and I think it was I think it was July yeah it would have been July I went for the last blood I went to hospital to get my bloods and it was a month and I hadn't heard anything from anybody and I was like what is going on here so I got my letter out from the last um appointment that I had been given for my bloods and it was exactly a month to the day that I rang again explained explain how sick I felt 
and they basically say listen we're not doing any procedures unless they're red flag but I'll get the consultant to ring you back and the next day I got a phone call to say that I was getting brought in so I don't know if the bloods had been missed or I don't know obviously we'll never know that but to me my results were sitting there and they were maybe just oversighted because I was a red flag procedure then because obviously the results that came back that way so I went in then two weeks later um two weeks later for the colonoscopy and I seen it there and then like I was more or less diagnosed there and then because you could see the tumor and I don't know anybody listening has ever had a colonoscopy done you're awake so you can see it it's basically just like a camera obviously that goes up your bum just to put it blatantly that's what it is you're slightly sedated but you're right I was very much aware of what was going on and obviously you lie on your side and there's a there's a screen two screens and I could see it and I was like sorry what is that what is that and the nurses were trying to distract me whenever they had to bring a surgeon and stuff in at the time so I knew like there and then I was like fuck what is this like something's not right so then they bring you out and give you tea and toast and stuff because you're not allowed to eat or anything um 24 hours before you've had it done and the nurses were just amazing and spoken were just distracting me and whatever and then the consultant came out and said basically this is this is what we think it is it looks like um rectal cancer it looks like a tumor in your rectum but they took a biopsy of it there and then but basically it was like this is what we think it is so I just broke down I was just like even though I did I did think it was something a little more sinister in my head I still don't know if I thought it was going to be something that I'd never heard of either didn't even know rectal cancer was a thing I was just like oh god right okay so yeah you get it so I was I don't know if that I don't think that's obviously the case with anything else maybe like bowel cancer and stuff I don't know how that works obviously but because they could see a tumor quite blatantly and where it was that's obviously why I was told there and then but I did have to go for an MRI scan and a CT scan pretty much the week after that it was all very quick quickly pushed through after um after the initial seeing of it so then I did I did obviously get the diagnosis that it was cancer I had already kind of accepted it in my head I think you know from obviously that initial seeing it and him telling me that's what it looked like the, the the shock of actually getting told that it was cancer wasn't as extreme then because I had already diagnosed myself in my head and everything I was like right okay so I had accepted it um I think but yeah it's something you don't expect to obviously hear when you're 28. I just think it's one of those things like I've always of course like I'm just speaking from here and other people's experiences but it's one of those things that no one ever ever can prepare themselves for that you know and like I'm sure you you said like you thought it was something a bit more sinister yeah. too but I'm sure that's just something that never really you know you can never prepare yourself for and it's just honestly unimaginable like I couldn't imagine being in your shoes and someone actually telling you you know saying the words and just having to hear mm-hmm. that and process it on the spot with a room full of people that you know I know and obviously the thing is as well like when obviously I went for the colonoscopy you're on your own obviously with COVID going on so I was I had to go by myself like and get that initial you know news by myself and when I was going for my official results like after I had all my scans done my mum was allowed to come in with me so she was there with me for that but you know before that I was on my own so I think with COVID and everything going on and anybody else has gone through anything like this it's so daunting to you know go to the hospital and 
go through these things on your own at the minute. Of it's course, I such know. a hard I time. Can't even bear to think. Like I can hardly go for a blood test on my own. Never mind. And that's just I sound like such a pussy, but like it's just I have so much respect for you. Just especially during coronavirus, like you've said, like you know the circumstances are different than normal anyway. So it just makes it even more harder and even more unimaginable for anybody who's in, you know, not in your position. Everyone's like, oh, I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, I wouldn't be able to cope and but you do you just you just you have to there's nothing else to sort of do other than just get up and get on with it and there's no point in me lying in bed every day feeling sorry for myself so I've just I just accepted it and just thought right this is what needs to be done and I'm just gonna have to get on with it and just get come out the other side of it so that's where we're at (laughs) I think you I think you just you know it's just so strong honestly even saying something like that and I think you aren't even giving yourself the credit that you deserve like it takes a lot to even get through this pandemic never mind through the experiences that you are dealing with right now too so the fact that you can just come on and put on a brave face you know and get on with it like you've said is just that's this is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on because I get so much out of listening to people's stories like this and just I find it so inspiring and it helps me keep going to see that other people are going through worse things and they can do with it so you know I can get on with it too (laughs) and so I'm just hoping that that's that the listeners are able to get that message across too from you I hemmed and had at the start whether to share it or not I was like oh god this is going to be really deep and you know it's a lot but I just thought there's no way that I could have not shared it you know I I feel like I've always been quite open anyway on my Instagram um and then just with this came along, obviously, then I had to move home from London with it. I was going to probably end up moving home anyway, obviously, even work. As I said, I still wasn't going to be working. So, of course, I was going to come home and save that bit of money, you know, when it comes to paying rent and things like yeah. that. Um, but this, obviously, then on top of it, I have to be home with, for appointments and things like that anyway. So there was no way that I could have just not pretended like what it wasn't going on. You know, there's, I would have been living a complete lie. So I've, the response I've had is absolutely unreal. Like I can't even explain how nice and supportive and amazing, complete and utter strangers have been. Like it's crazy. I just, I feel like I've, I've just taken from this, well, again, last year, the kindness from people is just overwhelming. It's And it's definitely helped me get to this point, you know, being able to share it because people are genuinely interested and want the best for you, even though they don't know you. But it's so it's so nice to see so I think being able to share it has definitely given me that wee bit more strength as well um because I as you say like it's it's helping other people and the amount of people that have helped or sorry the amount of people that have said that they have went to the doctor for things from me speaking out is is crazy so I'm obviously going to keep keep uh, everybody updated on the journey and keep talking as much as I can to keep helping everybody definitely no I think there's definitely a lesson that we could all learn from hearing your story and I think there are you mentioning the response that people have gave you and I don't think it's on you do you know what I mean I think you deserve that response and the credit and I think it's because of all of your honesty and integrity that you're keeping you know during this and just your openness and um, the fact that you can come on with a brave face like I've watched most of your videos and I don't think you've even shared it here and I mean I have been watching them in floods so, so many people I keep think... saying that they're like you're not even crying I'm sitting here bawling 
exactly I mean I think it just shows like your strength and integrity and just the way you hold yourself and come across when you're speaking about this is just truly inspiring and I think that's why you're getting such a big you know positive response it's really credit where credit's due and everything like that um, but I just had another wee question about it. So how has life changed between pre-diagnosis versus now, like for both physically and mentally? So I know that you'd mentioned that you'd lost quite a lot of weight from being sick. Yeah, that was um that was one of the things, obviously, at the start that they ask you, like from the get-go, you know, have you lost weight? Because I think that is maybe probably one of the telltale signs. But to be honest, I didn't really notice it in myself. Now, a few people, like that I hadn't seen in a while obviously then bear in mind of course we're in lockdown so you weren't seeing people so um even when I went back over to London during the summer before I got my diagnosis to move my stuff um oh no rather that wouldn't be right then I actually I went over after I got diagnosed but a couple of my friends that I hadn't seen I'd seen there and you know they were like oh god like you you know you do look skinny and you've you know you've lost a bit of weight and things like that so um then obviously getting the diagnosis obviously that comes hand in hand so they're very much like obviously all my consultants and I had a dietitian and everything like I have a whole team of people looking out for you um I mean you know I wouldn't say I'm overly skinny anyway I mean I'm, I'm obviously not overweight or anything but I've just always I've been very much into the gym my whole life and watch what I eat and things like that so I was always a healthy weight but I dropped about a stone and a half um at the worst time so I was kind of just well, well maybe like just under nine stone there and that was maybe mid-treatment I had dropped because I had dropped the weight beforehand then you start your treatment and then they expect you to drop more you see when you're going through your treatment so I did and um that was the worst I'd say to be honest I've, I've been very lucky that I haven't been overly sick like I really haven't so even me saying I'm sick I feel like a fraud because I'm like but I don't feel sick do you know what no. I mean I don't I feel fine I feel great at the Not minute. at all and I had obviously a few ropey weeks when I was going through my treatment um but I've never felt really like ridiculously ill you know like obviously when people say you have cancer you feel like you're bed bound and you can't move and obviously that unfortunately is the case for different different types of treatment plans but mine wasn't um wasn't that bad thankfully but was it, it was the eating it was not being able to eat I love my food so like having no appetite is the worst feeling it's so bad like I can't no. even explain it and um, so that really I think that took its toll on me more than anything was not being able to eat and then finding like my clothes and things weren't fitting me obviously me loving my clothes I was like oh not yeah. fitting like what the hell obviously then that meant I just had to buy loads more of clothes but you're now <laughs> probably going to be too small uh the circles that were going around but um so physically that was probably the worst thing for me um mentally yeah. obviously it's just trying to like get on with life like obviously because I still haven't got the all clear yet I'm still waiting on um results from my last scans and I'll have to have surgery yet so it's still that mental thing it's still there you know you're still you're I'm trying to get on with life as much as I possibly can um but it is obviously still there like it's something that's in your head you know all the time yeah and, um I don't I, I mean I don't think that'll ever probably go away it's going to be something that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life now I, you know and that must be so hard too you know like some days just feeling not normal I don't mean to say normal but just you know thinking you know almost like forgetting about it sometimes like when you're 
you know just like really stuck into something and then I'm sure it just kind of comes back and hits you and you're like oh god this is really my life now you know yeah yeah and then that's what I think that's what I've been trying to do obviously everybody's trying to distract themselves during lockdown anyway but I'm trying to obviously still create content for Instagram and um you know YouTube and all my social media kind of thing just because that is a distraction for me as well and yes I want to share my journey and what I'm going through but at the same time I don't want cancer to define me as who I am as a person you know because it will it will get through it and I will get the all clear and it will be away and so I'll go back to just being normal gals goss (laughs) (laughs) oh no but that's amazing even just your attitude towards it there and um can I also add that your lockdown content you're absolutely killing it as well so you're going doing a good job at distracting yourself at the minute (laughs) best like I mean it's partial at the door every day like it's really not good for the bank balance but I think we're all the same I know <laughs> there's nothing else to be at but um I just wanted to talk about it as well I know you had mentioned this was something that stuck out for me yeah. um in watching your stories and it was I mean I thought about you for days after hearing this part so I just wanted to ask as well was there anything that you felt or experienced during this that have really shocked you like something that you hadn't anticipated and I don't mean to put words in your mouth but um I just wanted to discuss about you know like the egg harvesting and things like that and I know you that wasn't something that you had anticipated no not at all like I just didn't think I didn't know that was a thing I I just didn't just didn't know that was completely like mind-blowing information so to be honest like I'm not my friends and everybody that's super close to me knows that this is the one thing that I'm still struggling with I think more than the actual cancer which I did yeah. in the video when I when I done it that was the hardest video I think to make and I did I did have like 500 breakdowns before making that video um for now but I can uh, obviously anybody that's listening doesn't know that sort of side of it so basically when I, I think now from doing a bit of research it can it can happen from all cancer treatment but I think it just depends okay. on the severity of it so basically your um your ovulation and your your chances of getting pregnant um you know can can be lessened from I think chemotherapy does do it as well but I had pelvic radiotherapy which is obviously in the pelvic area now because my cancer's in um my rectum which is obviously the back it's still very close to everything there you know so everything everything in that area is affected so my first um when I first got told that I had cancer the consultant said to me that I would maybe need to look into freezing eggs because my fertility chances could be affected but then when I met my current consultant she then told me that no I wouldn't be able to have kids at all so that day I was just like sorry but my mum was with me that day and I think that me and her both were just like what do you mean like at all this wasn't told the first time around it wasn't put to me like that so yeah she was like explaining obviously the obviously the radiotherapy is there to you know get rid of the tumor and you know get rid of all these unhealthy cells but it also damages healthy cells around the area obviously because it's just blast and blast in that area so that basically means that um it's my womb more so I I don't it's it's very very unlikely that I would fall pregnant but even if I did it wouldn't be healthy because my womb 
will never be strong enough to carry a full term so um but then saying that like I don't really know the ins and outs of it all to be honest because they just kind of talk you through each step at a time so obviously when they told me that then they said about being able to maybe um freeze eggs so I did go and see the fertility consultant and went through all that but the chances of even that working were so low it's it was just a whole other ball game like I I had an ultrasound done had all the tests done for that to see what my eggs look like and even with that it would have took like a full month to do that cycle so basically if you think about it you're forcing a period you know you're forcing the body to um produce eggs so you have to obviously get the injections to like you know speed that all along so in that and I had four weeks of finding out that I had cancer then four weeks that my treatment was going to start so I literally was like at the consultant one day for that the next day for fertility because it was all like if this is going to happen it needs to happen now we don't have time to wait kind of thing so quick so quick yeah so when when I went he said that it, it maybe would have been doable but then I got all my tests done and then went back a few days later and um basically your my ovarian level like I don't really understand it still but the, he was like your number needed to be at like 16 right so whatever this number was that was the number it was 16 that it was meant to be at and mine was like six or seven so mine was like less than even half like basically they could have done it they could have maybe tried to get eggs um I could have then risked getting pelvic like infections and things and obviously with that's where my treatment needed to be if that happened then treatment would have been pushed back I would have been at risk then you know of not getting that started and even the the chance of getting the eggs were like five percent then because my ovarian levels were so so low that there was only five percent chance of them getting any eggs from me and then them even working in the future and then obviously working in the future means then they had to be in a surrogate so it was just all this like mental information basically the odds were just against me like there was just so many things that could have went wrong and so many things that could have happened rather than them actually working so I had to just make a decision that day just not to do it because I just thought that it wasn't going to be worth it and then even if we did go through with it and we would have got the eggs then say well I don't know five six seven years time going to look for the eggs to work and then they're not working you know then that would have been like heartbreak all over again so I just I just kind of came to the conclusion that day that it wasn't meant to be and you know I think the consultants were very much on the same wavelength as me and thought that that was the best and safest thing to do and obviously they were very much I am their main concern so they were very much putting it to me as in you know Ashing, we need to get you better if if you don't get better then this kind of thing won't happen anyway do you know what I mean like this is the severity of it like you need to get yourself better and then just think about um think about that in a few years time so that's what I've done I mean obviously like I just like I'm so maternal and I love kids I think it was if it was anybody else it maybe wasn't on that same wavelength as me it maybe wouldn't be as as hard but because it's something that I've always wanted I think it is something that will definitely obviously it will affect me for the rest of my life but I've just kind of put it to the back of my head for the minute just to focus on me getting better and then when I do meet somebody and whatever then you know we'll go, we'll cross that road when we come to it obviously there's there's many more options that, that we can do and 
things like that but for now it's just um it's just getting me better but yeah that was one thing I definitely wanted to speak about because I didn't know that that was a thing like at all so um and obviously this type of cancer is very like it's quite rare and anything sort of like bile and all that area as well it's usually in an older person so it's not something that you know would really ever be spoken about I don't think I think maybe like cervical cancer and things like that obviously it's the same sort of things that happen but you can kind of maybe understand that more I just didn't think that that would have been a thing for me but yeah it's definitely it's been a learning curve for sure no definitely and I think even just you explaining it there like I'm just sat here gobsmacked again at your strength on your positivity and how you can just turn you know such a heartbreaking situation into something positive like you said like your priority is getting you better now and that's your focus and I just think even just hearing that part of the story again like from the horse's mouth I'm just speechless like I just admire you so much but it just seems so unfair you know and I'm sure that's you've went through all the emotions with it yourself feeling that way too but there was one thing you'd mentioned there that you're very maternal and I know that you have a younger brother is it Caelan? Yeah Caelan yeah. Caelan yeah and I just wanted to ask as well about you know how has he been coping with your diagnosis you know have you been guarding him from it a bit or you know are you being completely open and honest with him because obviously that's something you know as a child it's it's quite hard to understand yeah I mean we've we've like we've told him everything from the start obviously and I think I, I think it's just the word cancer like isn't it when anybody hears it you just go oh god like I've spent so many months of me telling people and them being more upset than me like when I'm telling yeah. people like they break like all my friends like breaking down and they're like I'm so sorry like I shouldn't be crying when you're not crying like and I'm no. like, like I, I obviously have cried of course I cried but I kind of like I cried when I found out and then I just I, I kind of just got on with it and um, that I mean that doesn't mean that like if you cry every day there's anything wrong with you do you know what I mean it's just it's no, kind of just the way that I've dealt with it but um he's seen me crying a few times and he's obviously cried when I cry that kind of thing you know like oh, when you see someone you love cry you cry um I'm gonna cry no don't be crying um but <laughs> we're you know we're, we're I'm fine I think from from the start because I have as I said because I have been fine I think it's a lot easier for everybody in my life to see me doing good for them to do good you know I think it would be different if I if I was lying feeling really sick or you know I like obviously I was lucky that I didn't have to go through um intravenous chemo which is the chemo that you get you know like obviously in a drip form mine was a tablet form so like I didn't lose my hair or anything like that um so I think that's another big thing you know I think if he would have had to see me like with no hair and you look different then obviously you would be very much reminded that you're sick because I didn't have any of that side I think it's been a little bit easier so he's he probably doesn't really understand everything um but he's been very good like you know he he, we're just getting on we're just getting on with everything as normal as we possibly can so um yeah he's been he's been good so far god love him but I don't know if he talks about it like any of his wee friends or anything I don't know if that's Aww. something that he would want to talk about in school or anything like that but I know of course um, you never really think of it like that do you but I suppose uh, as much as it's your journey it's your family's and your friend's journey too you know of supporting you and being there for you and I know he is like your number one fan so that's <laughs> why I just wanted to ask that <laughs> he definitely is um and then 
what have you learned from your experience with cancer and what advice would you give to anyone listening today whether they are going through something similar or not is there any like takeaways that you would give anybody yeah well obviously I'm still going through it I think that's um you know that's still not over yet so I'm kind of just yeah. I'm waiting to get to the other end of it so I don't you know I don't know what what else is to come I'm hoping like my latest results that I'm waiting for my scans are going to say that the tumor has shrunk and the surgery that I need to remove it will be as you know smooth sailing and easy as possible and um, obviously there ha- it hasn't been ruled out that I might need any more I might need more treatment after this if they don't if surgery doesn't go to plan and things like that but obviously we're just taking each step as we can so I think that's the best way that I've dealt with it Um, if anybody is going through anything similar I think for me that's one thing that I've I've learned is just taking each step at a time one day at a time and that might sound really cliche but it's something that I've just you know it's really really helped me so at the very start they obviously explained the whole treatment plan and then um, that I would need surgery and this that whatever but it's it's over a long period of time so obviously I started my radiotherapy in October done that for five weeks and then you have a six-week break where you do nothing so to me that six weeks I think I found the hardest because I was like what am I doing here you know just just sitting doing nothing obviously when you're getting up you're going to the hospital every day every day you feel like you're treating it you know like you feel like you're doing something when you're sitting there for every day for six weeks doing nothing you think you're it's not going away which is so stupid but obviously when they explain it to you that six weeks is actually when I then had a complete turnaround and have felt better because it's working and the treatment's working in your body and things um so as I say like I don't know what's to come after this next part but I'm just trying to not think about it I'll I'll wait and see when I'm told and I'll digest that part when when it comes to it so anybody that's going through it I would just say that um yeah take it each step at a, at a time and um, speak to your friends speak to your family like you know the support I've had is amazing and obviously me uh, speaking to Instagram doing the videos and things has been a real help for me as well um, and I've also wrote a diary like I started a diary when I first got diagnosed just like every week just writing everything yeah and how I felt that week and things that I went through and when I was going through the treatment and um how like sick I felt or if I didn't feel sick or felt good or you know just things like that so um and most importantly obviously anybody that's feeling that they're not well before even obviously getting cancer diagnosis please go and see your doctor like I know I've said things were delayed because of um COVID and all that but you know I got to the bottom of it eventually like you will get to the bottom of whatever's going on you need to be persistent if you know that you don't feel right I think that's the biggest thing that I could say from all of this today is like just go and speak to your doctor if you feel something isn't right regardless of where it is in your body if it's embarrassing or not like they aren't embarrassed you know all embarrassment I've ever had is when I come in don't believe me because like everybody's seen my bum so it's completely normal now I'm just I'm literally just numb to it it's like whatever let's just let's just get it sorted like you have yeah no I think that's amazing and I think your advice it really even you know for people who aren't going through cancer or any sort of illness like that even just in this lockdown I think it applies you know and um, there's definitely a lot that I'm going to be taking away from your advice and even just saying about 
you know like going to the doctor if you find that there's something wrong with you like not being afraid to go to the doctor I think like that's something I've been doing this past year like you know from hearing your stories and other people's stories similar so I think you know you're definitely going to continue to get that message across to many people by sharing your story and it's so important you know to prioritize our health and I just think that's a great takeaway overall from it um, and you'd mentioned there as well that you say like to take one day at a time and take you know a step at a time so just on the back of that is there any like particular quote that resonates with you or that has helped you get through this time I mean I think I, I'm complete quote queen like I don't know about you but I absolutely love seeing a good quote every day I love Pinterest and quotes but um there was I know there was one I seen um at the start and I keep I I, I kind of always go back to it now and it's um I focus on what I can control and I let go of what I can't oh that's brilliant just I mean again like putting health aside everything I think just we're living in such strange times at the minute um and unfortunately none of us can control what is going on what is going to happen but we just need to focus on ourselves and how we feel and how we can try and do the best that we can in these shitty situations so I think that's one that I like to look back on um through that I think that's a lovely one I mean, I didn't make I didn't make it up. I definitely just found it on Pinterest, like, but it's cute. (laughs) (laughs) We'll not claim it. (laughs) Um, and then just lastly, lastly as well, um, I know you've talked about before reading books on your page, and I love to read books as well, like positive and uplifting ones. So, I wanted to know if you have any good positive, you know, self development or any kind of book like that recommendation for us yeah I mean I don't know if I'm like reading loads of self-help books like I've obviously read like the secret and things like that um yeah. I read it years ago to be honest so I think if I read it now I maybe would actually read it in a different light if that makes sense like I feel like I might yeah. um I might take take different things from it now and um, so I've read a couple over the last year I don't know if they really can justify self-help but they're like things that I've enjoyed reading like I like things that are like uplifting and quite funny and like as I can relate to so I don't know if you've read any of these but um one of my favorite ones from last year was everything I know about love yes I've heard of them they're on my list to read <laughs> read that um also read how to feel it's quite good they're, these are like kind of like biography sort of type ones as well so I think that you yeah. can relate and um, I love them and then like this is totally not a self-help book it's a novel but I love them well it's actually like a series and it's the Ashling trilogy no yes even though that's my name but they're just so funny and you can relate to them and I just got like I read the three of them in the summer and just got completely like lost and it was just really easy to read and um, and what am I reading I'm reading at the minute a book called The Babysitter so again it's like a it's a novel so not really self-help but I think I prefer like reading quotes and like listening to podcasts and reading blog posts and things like that rather than reading a whole self-help book if that makes sense like I like to take things from yeah, a book it, yeah. rather than sit and read it all like I could maybe read bits and chapters you know if I could just open a yeah. book and see what I'm feeling that day but um of course yeah what about you I think the self-help what's your favorite like I'm obsessed with all those sort of books I don't know what it is but I just can't read novels and I don't know whether it's opposite them. from being pure traumatized <laughs> yeah like from being pure traumatized as a child in primary school do you remember you were like forced to read novels so I don't know whether it's like from that but I love just 
like the personal development, self-help books, you know, all like that sort lord of not giving a fuck and like the power of now all those kind of ones but um i remember you posting about that ashling so funny i don't even remember what you call it but yeah i remember you posting about that trilogy and like looking into it and one of my friends is gonna give me that one of the books so i'm gonna invest in the other two and i think maybe they'll open me up into are they novels yeah so there's three um there's three different ones it's just a bit of like a series obviously of this girl's life but she's Irish obviously so it's I think you can just really relate you know to like everything that's in them they're just quite it's an easy read as I would call it nothing too heavy yeah (laughs) well I think that's my problem at the minute I'm reading all those heavy like personal development ones like about psychology and behavior and your brain and everything and I'm just like brained out. I think I need an easy read, not you. <laughs> a wee bit, but I think all them self help books are so, like everybody needs a bit of that in their life at the minute. I think it's so hard to try and see past everything that's going on. So to just pick yeah. up a book and be able to get some sort of positivity and motivation, and probably is the biggest thing that we all need right now. So I think it's definitely 100%. good to have a bit of both in your life. No, I agree, and like you said, like. I find stuff like that and even like listening to stories like yourself and you know like podcasts and things like they just keep me going so that's why I wanted to start this podcast and get like inspiring people on like yourselves and you know just to like pass on kind of messages like I just found that from hearing your story I just gained so much compassion for you and like I didn't even really know you that well we've met a few times but I think it just helps like with gratitude and compassion overall and I just feel like that's something that everybody could be doing with at the minute you know so I'm so grateful to have you on oh, and you're welcome. for you to share experience but yeah I think that wraps us up um, so and is there anything else you'd like to finish off with any more quotes or anything or are you all talked out uh, I know I've literally just looked at the time now I'm talking 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 and <laughs> um, I think I covered everything obviously I think just one thing that I'm taking well one thing I'm taking obviously a lot of stuff from it but um when people say your health is your wealth I think that's just something I never ever thought like you just don't think it's ever going to apply to you really so um yeah. I've just tried to put everything else it's maybe a bit more materialistic and superficial to the side like and obviously realize yeah. that um you know everything can wait as long as you're the best version of yourself and I think that comes with physical and mental health so I'm definitely trying to work on both I think my outlook's probably changed on life a little bit more um yeah I would say so you know I, I I'm going through phases at the minute of being like oh, what am I doing like I have like a bit of a breakdown and be like oh my god what am I doing after this like what's going on like even we're talking about work earlier on you know I haven't worked in like friggin 10 months I don't know what how I've got my days in as I'm just not the type of person that sits in the house every day but here we are so I think just don't take things for granted I think that's what we all can learn isn't it like from the last 12 months just we're just um lucky I think everybody just needs to count their blessings that sounds probably very cliche but it's something we can all practice a bit more I think no honestly it's been absolutely incredible to have you on and to hear your story directly coming from you today and I just hope that all the listeners can take away something from it and um we have your back every step of the way and I know I'll be following along on Instagram and I'll pop your Instagram up through the podcast as well so hopefully all the listeners can start to cheer you on too so just sending you all the love and luck for your next scan results and everything and we'll be following you every step of the way so 
thanks again so much and take care thank you so much grace thank you all right see ya bye bye thank you for listening to the with grace podcast i hope you enjoyed that conversation and find some insight to keep up with the podcast subscribe on spotify or apple podcasts and follow on instagram at grace